tonight. Let's stand for the reading of the Word of God in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. Tonight's message is a focused heart and an open hand. I think they're connected. A focused heart and an open hand. And you'll see that tonight from this, this uh, tremendous passage that we'll look at here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus that he, as he had begun, so he would uh, also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love, for ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye be burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. What a tremendous passage tonight, and let's pray and we'll, we'll get into the Word of God. Lord, thank you again for this evening. Bless the Word of God. Lord, help us to have an, a, an open heart, Lord, a focused heart and an open hand. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated tonight. You know, one of the things that I realized as a Christian and as, as being a part of many churches as the Lord has directed us prior even to ministry and now been in ministry is that one of the most uh, rigorous tests of what is an authentic church is this matter of the heart from which we give. When it comes to giving, you can learn a lot about a person. Uh, certainly, we understand that it hits home, it hits very close to home when you begin to talk about giving. From the passage tonight, we're going to look at how this church here that we're studying tonight is one that 
learn to give from this matter of grace. And, and we see tonight that their giving was giving that was, that was towards others. Uh, certainly as we give, we give to the Lord, but we also give to meet the needs of others. Paul was the one that God used to pen these words, as well as many other places in the New Testament. But Paul was writing, as you notice, it's in 2 Corinthians that this was a letter, we call it a book in our Bible, but it was a letter written to the believers that were in the church in Corinth. Now, this was a church that uh, was one, like many, that was a new church. They estimate at this time it would, may have been a little bit over six years old. Many new Christians in this church, but he was writing to them about the bountiful hearts of those that were in the uh, the churches of Macedonia. Now that was a region, if you look today as to where Macedonia would be, would be modern day Greece today. But Paul is writing to those in Corinth about the, the hearts, the big hearts, the focused hearts and the open hand of those that were in Macedonia. Now, why is this important as we dig in tonight is because as you study the passage in other places and you look historically, Macedonia was a region where there was intense persecution and they were, they were greatly impoverished. Uh, these people were living below the poverty level. They were very poor, very poor conditions. But yet, isn't it interesting that out of that type of scenario that God gives us a tremendous passage on having a, an open heart, a focused heart, and an open hand. And these Christians in Macedonia, in the churches there, they gave sacrificially. The Bible says they gave beyond their power. Now just think about those words, beyond their power. I know a lot of times we sit down and calculate about this matter of giving. Somebody said giving is more like sowing a seed than it is paying a debt. Oftentimes we sow the seed. We really have no idea what the result is going to be. I mean, certainly whatever type of seed you plant, you would like to think that's the type of fruit or yield that you're going to get back. But Paul's writing here and He's challenging those in Corinth about the, those Christians in the churches in Macedonia and how they were going beyond their power that through giving, just like them, we have an opportunity to, to invest in an eternal harvest. I mean, think about it. God's work is, yes, something that's going on right now, but it's going to live on for eternity because every time we give, we invest in someone that's going to spend eternity in either a place called heaven or a place called hell. And we get to be a part of that. Paul was using these Christians in Macedonia as an example to the church in Corinth, and God's preserved it in his word for us to where we turn to this passage tonight and we can see for our lives, for our church, that example that was the Macedonian churches, which Again, just as we are to follow the example God gives us in his word, here's another great example as a church. Now, I really believe in many, in many aspects that our church is much like those in Macedonia. And so I want you to see this tonight as we think about this matter of grace giving. Because 
I, I believe with all my heart, real churches, authentic churches, practice grace giving. And I want you to see tonight their passion for giving. Go back to chapter number 8 in verse number 1. And look what the Bible says again in verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy. Look, look at those words. The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty. Notice joy and poverty together. He says that it abounded unto the riches of their liberality. That means these people were not stingy in any way. As a matter of fact, they were generous in what they were doing in their giving. Verse number three, for to their power I bear record, yea, beyond their power, they were, look at this word, willing. Well, what were they willing to do? They were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. In other words, Paul, as he writes, and I know it's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but what Paul's sentiment here is, these folks in their giving exceeded any expectation that honestly I could have had for them. Uh, they've gone beyond. They were unstoppable in their giving to the Lord. Paul attempted, and you can kind of see the verbiage here, that Paul was saying, look, uh, folks, look, you've given, you've been so gracious. Uh, honestly, you've given enough, but you can see here how they were pleading for Paul. No, 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 no. We want you to take our gift. It was almost like, Paul, you're not going to rob us of a blessing. Uh, we're going to give to the Lord. And, and I, I've, I've had, in my life, I've had many Christians who have been exactly this way, that they give, and, and a lot of times, you know, as a pastor or, or being in the ministry or being someone that would know them, I knew that maybe they were living on a fixed income or I knew that maybe they didn't have a lot. And a lot of times I'd even make a little comment about, are you sure that uh, that you want to give that amount? Are you sure that you want to give to that or whatever it may be? And it's not that I didn't want them to give, but I was just concerned about them. And, and every time, because those people that were giving, they were giving out of their poverty. They were giving out of, they were giving beyond their power. And, and it was almost like, look, I, I understand what you're saying and I don't understand how it's all going to work out. I just know that God has put this on my heart and I want to give it because I'm giving it to the Lord. And, and I love that spirit that we see here that, that these people, they didn't hold back. Now here's the question is, how did these people that were so impoverished, how did they have such a passion to give? I mean, that's something that I want to know about. Because, look, I think we're all guilty sometimes of looking at the finances and knowing what we have in front of us. And, and a lot of times we think to ourselves, well, I, I don't even know how I'm going to be able to pay my own bills. How were these people able to have such a passion to give? Well, notice it was a passion developed by God's grace. God's grace 
you know what it does? It gives us the desire and it gives us the ability to give to God. Somebody said grace is a disposition in our heart created by the Holy Spirit. Remember the message this morning, how important the Holy Spirit's ministry is in our lives because the Holy Spirit puts within us that desire to want to give. He gives us the ability to want to be a part of it. When we are blessed, here's what I find is that as we are blessed, we tend to rely less on God's grace. But when we're going through difficulties like these folks in Macedonia, and when we find ourselves maybe not not having enough to pay the bills, or maybe, maybe things are a little bit lean. I find that it's times like that that we tend to yield more to the Lord, to give more to God. I love the word here that the Bible uses. It says in verse number one that the grace of God was bestowed. Look at that word, bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. The word there means that something was supplied. It was furnished. You know, it's like sometimes you maybe you have uh, lived in a town home or a house or something where the house comes furnished. It was supplied. You, you think about, I've been doing my, my reading, my, my personal devotions, and I've been reading through the Old Testament where they went into the land that God had promised to them, and they went in and there were cities and there were vineyards and there were all these things that they didn't plant that they didn't build it was furnished god bestowed that upon them and and folks listen that's exciting when you think about this that god supplies and i think there's a couple verses in the bible that says that my god shall supply all your need according to his riches and God will. A lot of times we try to figure it out. How am I going to be able to do this? How am I going to be able to be a part of faith, promise, missions, giving? Well, listen, you may not be able to figure it out, but can I tell you, there's a God who does know that he will supply your need, that he will meet your needs. And that's what it says here is that God's grace was bestowed upon them. And when you and I, when we give to the Lord, can I tell you tonight, it's not about us. It's all about God. It's all about God's working. Look there in your notes in 2 Corinthians 9 in verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. <laughs> God's grace, you know what it did? It helped those in the churches in Macedonia to give, but not only to give, but to give generously. They had large hearts with an openness to want to meet the needs of others. And there's an equation that, that, that I gave you there in your outline that you see here. And I love this equation, how that, notice, poverty plus the grace of God equals generosity. Now, we would never, I mean, if we were going to sit down, we would have never put that word poverty in there. But it's it's amazing thing when somebody that is impoverished that the grace of God is evident there that there's going to be generosity. And that's the spirit that we see in the churches of Macedonia. That's what Paul was challenging those in Corinth about. He says, can you see what they were doing even in a time of difficulty? No matter what their financial situation was, and just like in our lives, we only need God's grace 
to enable us to give generously. God does promise to those who give that it may not be in financial ways, but I will tell you this, that there will be eternal dividends, that God will meet our needs, that God will take care of us. I love what the Bible says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. God always takes care of us. Look at this example, an illustration of, in the Word of God, of a grace-motivated giver. In Mark chapter 12, the Bible says, Jesus sat over against the treasury and be held how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow. She threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which hath, have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Totally different scenario between those that were rich that had plenty to give and this widow, this is all that she had. When I look at that passage, I think about this, that the widow, she did what she did, and here's why. Because she simply loved the Lord. She loved the Lord. With all of her heart, she gave all by the grace of God. And I see tonight that this grace, the passion that they had to give, it was developed by the grace of God, but notice that it was a passion demonstrated by God's people. I mean, it's one thing to experience the grace of God, but I think that we need to demonstrate what God has done. And I want to give you an example from these Macedonian Christians how they looked beyond the bottom line of their giving and what they had at their budget, and they gave sacrificially. It was all about the heart. And so I want you to notice three things about the heart. See, passion is demonstrated through willing hearts. Look at verse number three again. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. See, first of all, it's a willing heart. We have to understand the importance... Because somebody said it doesn't matter what we have or don't have as long as we're willing to give it. Are we willing to give it? I, I love children. I love working with children. Children are exciting. And one of the reasons why I love working with children, do you know that some of the biggest givers, now I'm not talking the amount, but some of the biggest givers in churches are children. I hope that you realize the reason for that is because children have tender hearts. They tend to, to not hold on to the things of this world. We can learn a lot from children because they have a willing heart. And when you think about this passion that those in Macedonia had, it, passion is demonstrated through willing hearts. Secondly, it's demonstrated through ministering hearts. In verse number four, Paul says, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. They had a, a heart to minister. They wanted to use their resources to invest in ministering to other people. It was an eternal investment that they were talking about. Look, I know this is true. You can't take it with you when you go, but you can send it on ahead. Just think about that. It's an eternal investment. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 
Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. See, we have a choice. Are we going to invest in this world? Are we going to invest in eternity? It's, it's quite simple, and we need to have that same kind of heart, the heart that those in Macedonia had. They had ministering hearts. When you and I, when we give out of a ministering heart, according to Matthew 6, what are we doing? We are laying up treasures in heaven. We're sending it on ahead. I mean, I don't know, and I've heard people talk about it. The, the scriptures aren't clear on it. I don't know, but I'd like to think that maybe someday... There's just going to be a glad reunion in heaven. Maybe we'll have an opportunity to meet folks that we have never met that might, have, might say something like this, because you gave, I'm here today. And I know that there was a songwriter, I think he's still around, that years ago wrote a song about when he gets to heaven that all these people were going to be standing in this line and they're going to be thanking this individual because they were willing to give. See, we need to understand this passion that they had in Macedonia out of those churches. It came from having a willing heart. It came from having a ministering heart. But notice thirdly, they, that passion was demonstrated through a sacrificial heart. In verse number five, the Bible says this, and I love these words, and this they did. It's one thing to say it, but they actually did what they said they were going to do. The Bible says, this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. See, the secret to those in Macedonia was that they consecrated themselves to the Lord. We will never be consistent in our grace-motivated giving until we have given ourselves completely to the Lord. That's what they did. Uh, we see this in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. Look at the Bible. says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable. That's what they did in Macedonia, is they, they were willing first to give themselves unto the Lord. Grace-filled giving always comes back to the same place. It comes back to the heart. How's your heart? Because out of the heart comes the issues of life. And these were people that had a willing heart. They, they were people that had a, a ministering heart. They were people that had a sacrificial heart. The Macedonian Christians, they gave to the Lord, listen, with a joyful passion. The Bible talks about, yes, their poverty, but it also talks about the joy that they got out of giving. That's why Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. I know years ago as a kid growing up, I wasn't a Christian back then, but I remember Christmases with my family, and I remember, uh, you know, for Christmas as, as an unsaved person, it was all about the toys and the gifts. And I used to remember thinking, boy, I hope there's a bunch of stuff under that tree, and 
Many times, my parents, they never disappointed. There was always stuff under that tree. And it was amazing how quick we tore through all the stuff that was under the tree. I never thought about anybody but myself. I mean, thinking back, I can think back to some of the things that I got for those Christmases, and I can think about how quickly I trashed many of those things that I received. And then something changed in my life because something changed in my heart. Christmas took on a whole new meaning. Amazing how man can so twist and pervert holidays, commercialize them, suck the life out of them, change the meaning of what they're really meant to be about. And then God did something wonderful. God gave me children. And I, I remember thinking to myself, and I got such joy out of giving to my children. I mean, the truth is, is honestly, I could care less if I get anything for Christmas now. The joy comes from seeing my children receive things. And now my grandchildren. It's a wonderful thing to give. I mean, when you think about our missions conference that we had, it was all about giving to others. And there's real joy in giving to others. And how does that come about? By God's grace. It was developed by God's grace, but it was demonstrated by God's people. Is this matter of giving. And they gave with a joyful passion. Now, I want you to see, secondly tonight, their perspective. Because their perspective was to finish... The commitment, the commitment. Now, let's look at it in, back in chapter 8 and verse number 6, and then we'll drop down after verse 6, we'll look at verse 10, but look what it says. He says, in, inasmuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Drop down to verse number 10. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before, notice the words, who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. So what is he talking about? Do you remember filling out maybe one of those faith promise commitment cards? It's a commitment that you made between you and the Lord. It's a commitment that you said to the Lord as God laid on your heart, that over the next 12 months that you've committed to the Lord, whatever that amount is, and that's exactly what they did. They, they undoubtedly had, had made a commitment the year before that they were going to participate in an offering for the church in Jerusalem. And the church in Jerusalem was struggling. There was uh, some poverty there. There was needs that were there. And, and the Bible mentions Titus here in this passage, and it, it, it talks about how God was using Titus to, to, to help remind them of that commitment. Now, again, you may hear me over the next 12 months say something like this. Church, let's be faithful in our, in our uh, commitments when it comes to missions, and let's continue to give as we promise to the Lord. But again, I, I don't know who promised to give what, but when I do that, it's not because I desire your money or the church desires your money. 
It's that as we are making those commitments to the Lord, we want to keep those commitments. We want to make sure that we're honoring those commitments. The Bible talks about that we should never vow a vow if we're going to defer, if we're not going to keep that vow. And sometimes I think, listen, all of us need a reminder here and there. We need to be reminded of maybe a promise that we made unto the Lord. Uh, We see this in the Old Testament that David challenged Solomon in his day. He challenged his son to follow through on what God had given him to do. In other words, he was saying, Solomon, I want you to finish the work that God has given to you to do. Look in 1 Chronicles 28, David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and of a good courage and do it. He says, I want you to do it, Solomon. Fear not, nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee, until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. What is he talking about? He's talking about a commitment. He's talking about fulfilling that commitment. That's exactly what their perspective was when it came to giving was, to finish a commitment that they had promised to the Lord. See, commitments are realized when we use spiritual discipline to follow through with them. That's what it takes in our lives sometimes is to have spiritual discipline. That's why I I encourage people, and we made that card to where it's perforated, to where you give half of it so that we know how to budget and, and how to buy faith, who we can support. But then the other half of that card I mentioned Put it somewhere where it's a reminder of that commitment that you made to the Lord. And look, a basic commitment for every one of us, one of the items on that card was the matter of the tithe, the 10%. Malachi said, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that ye shall not be able, ye shall not have room enough to receive it. In other words, as we honor the Lord, as we give this matter of the tithe to the Lord, God has promised he's going to open up the windows of heaven and pour us out a blessing. Now, what you also find along with the tithe, and by the way, you study the word of God, here's what you'll see is that the tithe is not something that is just Old Testament. The truth is, is the tithe was given before the law, during the law, and after the period known as the law that you find the matter of the tithe in the Old Testament of the Bible, as well as you find it in the New Testament of our Bible. But along with the tithe, which is where it all begins, which the tithe is the Lord's, the New Testament teaches that we as believers should be practicing giving beyond the tithe. Now, remember what they said about those in Macedonia, beyond their power. Now, a lot of times people say, well, listen, I don't understand how that's going to work. Well, that's why we call it faith promise missions giving. Because a lot of times when you try to figure it out or I try to figure it out, we can't figure it out on paper. But I know this, it all comes from God's grace being shed in our hearts. That God is working and their perspective is to here to finish a commitment. But then notice their perspective was not only to finish a commitment, but it was to focus on Christ. Now, I want you to look back at verse number 8 and 9 of chapter 8. Look at these verses that we skipped over just a minute ago. He says, I speak not by commandment. Now, look at that. He's not ordering them to give. This was a free will offering. 
Are you with me tonight, church? This was something that was between them and God. He says, I'm not, I could, but I'm not standing here commanding this. I've been in churches where literally it, people feel like, boy, if I don't give, I'm going to be tossed out of the church. I'm going to be excommunicated. I mean, I've talked to people. It's a scary thing sometimes as a pastor when folks call or folks come here and they tell you some of, those, some of the amazing stories that they experience, sad stories that they experience from other churches. It's, it's a reality. People say, I left that church because of the way they were hounding me about my giving. But Paul says here, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others. And look at this, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty. Isn't it interesting? The churches in Macedonia were impoverished. And Jesus, who was rich, became poor. He humbled himself, took upon the form of a servant, and became obedient unto the will of the Father. He was willing to go to the cross for us. And when I think about what their perspective in giving was, folks, listen, number one was they had the discipline to realize, I made a commitment to God, I'm going to keep that commitment. But secondly, their focus was on the Lord. Every time they, they began thinking about giving, they began to think about Jesus. Christian giving will never make sense until we focus on Jesus. And when we have the conviction, and I hope you're there already, that everything that you have in your possession all belongs to God. And when you get to that point in your life, then guess what you'll do? You'll give and you'll trust God. You'll trust God. See, we'll demonstrate our love. That's what he's writing about here. How do you do that? Through giving, just like God gave. The Bible says God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you think that we had anything to offer to God? Zero. We had nothing to offer. I mean, listen, God didn't get much when he got us, but he commendeth his love toward us. Christian giving, I believe, Christian giving should be motivated by the cross. Every time I think about what Jesus did for me, listen, as long as I live, I could never repay the debt that I owe. All to him I owe. This time of year, I think about Thanksgiving. What a great time that we should return our thanks. And one way to do that is through our giving. Through our giving. The Bible says, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. See, they had a passion to give. And their perspective was, we're going we're gonna to finish the commitment that we made, but we're also going to focus on the Lord. And then I want you to see thirdly tonight, their performance in giving. In other words, how did they do it? Well, notice first of all, the execution of giving. In verse number 11 of chapter 8, Now therefore, perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. Verse 12, for if there be first, there it is again, a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, 
and not according to that he hath not. You ever heard that, that little statement? I've heard it years. I think my mom used it all the time. You can't get blood out of a turnip. Some of you have heard that. Did you see what the Bible says there? According to that a man hath, and not according to, to that he hath not. It's interesting here how we see this matter of performing without performing. In other words, we can talk about giving and we can talk about God's grace, but without doing it, without performing it, we can, we're all talk and no fruit to show for it. Well, see, this woman in the Bible in Mark chapter 14, she came and she found the Lord Jesus. She brought that alabaster box that had precious ointment in it. And she spilled that out on the Lord Jesus. She didn't waste it. She gladly gave that to God. The Bible says she hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. We, we ourselves, like that woman, we may want to give out of what God has placed at our disposal. The psalmist said, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? Boy, there's a great question. What should I give God? How about this verse? He daily loadeth us with benefits. Not weekly, not monthly. God daily loadeth us. Say, boy, what did God give me today? You're here, aren't you? You're breathing, aren't you? God's good all the time. And the question is, what shall I render? What shall I give unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? And the answer is, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. You know what the, the psalmist is saying? Look, I need to be executing in my giving. I need to be performing. I need to be giving because God's grace has been so good to me. And I need to give out of a heart of, ad, of gratitude and have the right attitude in this matter of giving. And I love when you think about the, the performance in giving that it's not just executing, but notice that he says there's an equality when it comes to our giving. Look in verse 13 of our passage. He says, for I mean not that other men be eased and ye be burdened, but by an equality. You ought to underline that if you're in the habit of doing that in your Bibles, because God says by an equality that now at this time that your, notice your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want. That here it is again, that there may be an equality. As it is written, he that hath gathered much had nothing over, and he that hath gathered little had no lack. So, look, he doesn't give an amount here. He doesn't say, you know, Guy uh, Gilliam should be giving this amount. He doesn't give an amount, but what he does talk about is this matter of giving an equal sacrifice. It's fair when you think about God's economy of giving. Paul is referring to, in this passage, when he's talking about this matter of giving, he, he's using the Old Testament passage about how when the children of Israel were in the wilderness and they had no food. What was it that God supplied for them? Do you remember? Manna, right? And I want to look in your Bible here in Exodus 16, or in your notes. The children of Israel, they did so, and they gathered, now watch this, they gathered some more, some less. 
And when they did meet it with an omer, he that gathereth much had nothing over. Does that sound like where we're at in 2 Corinthians? He that gathered nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his what? Eating. Now, it's kind of funny when I look at that verse because a lot of times my wife and I, we've been trying to, we've been trying to behave ourselves and, and just kind of watch what we're eating these days. And, you know, it's, it, it's easy to, to just, you know, kind of get, just let things go, you know, as busy and the holidays and all these types of things. And uh, yesterday they had a, a choir clinic and and uh, they were eating some food, and, and people were, you know, Pastor, aren't you going to eat this? Pastor, why aren't you eating that? Pastor, how And I said, I said, listen, I'm trying to be a healthy pastor. I said, it's kind of hard to preach on sin when, you, when you're, you're, your belly won't let you get to the pulpit. There is a sin in the Bible called gluttony. And it's always bothered me. I've never been a thin person, but it's always bothered me when these preachers get up and they start, they start calling out every sin in the world except for gluttony. And they're, they're like this, you know, and they're just, you know, and it's just everything under the sun. And, and so I, I, I'm thinking about this because when we go out to eat a lot of times, you know, that's the problem with America is when you go out to eat, they give you these portions of food. And it's, it's an immense amount of food on your plate. And my wife has always said, she said, one of the worst things my parents taught me as a kid is you always clean your plate. My wife's like, I hate that. She's like, because it's, it was drilled into me that no matter how much food is on my plate, I've got to eat the whole plate. So the other day we were out and we were spending a couple days just, uh, we were trying to relax, but we ended up Christmas shopping. We were trying to beat the Christmas madhouse rush. And we stopped at a restaurant we like over on the, the West Coast and and uh, we went in, and I was I was trying I was trying to find something that was reasonable, and I had been behaving myself, and I looked on there, and they didn't there was some stuff that I'd had, and just didn't see anything, and and I looked down there, and there was there was country fried steak, and I'm thinking to myself, should I? And that's exactly what I said, yes. <laughs> Now, I, listen, I'm standing, in the, I'm standing behind a sacred desk tonight. And so, you know, I, I know preachers are, are prone to fabricate and stretch and things like that. They brought that chicken fried steak, that country fried steak to my, my uh, table, and she set it down. My wife had gone to the ladies' room. When they set that down, I, I was looking at it, I was like, oh, my goodness. I, I am not kidding you, it was that big. And it was, it was like that. And it, I mean, you couldn't see any meat because there was so much breading. And, and I'm, I'm looking at that thing and I'm like, I should have never ordered this. I should have I never ordered this. And, and so I started, I started to eat, I started to cut on it, I started to eat it. And the breading just kept falling off, falling off, falling off. And by the time I got to the middle of it, all the meat was gone and all the rest of it was breading. Yeah. And, and my wife, she had come back. She saw that. She saw the enormity of it. 
And, and, and I told her, I said, listen, honestly, I'm glad that it turned out the way it did because I would have probably tried to eat that whole thing if that's what it would have been. But, but I, was, I was trying my best to behave myself. But my wife, when we eat, a lot of times, if they'll bring us the, the similar foods, my wife will say, she'll say to me, now look, here's the problem. She'll say, you're eating and I'm eating, and I'm eating the same portions that you're eating, but I'm a woman and you're not. And, and I, I'm like, look, that's your own problem. You're going to have to deal with that. <laughs> There's a lot of times some funny conversations that we have. But, but think about that for a second as you look at this passage, because here in 2 Corinthians, Paul's writing to those in Corinth, and he's, he's trying to help him understand about these, these Christians, these believers that are impoverished in Macedonia, and the grace that God had bestowed on them that was in their hearts in this matter of giving. And then he talks about an equality, and he references this matter of the Old Testament and the manna. And, it, you know, I, thought, I sat there thinking about that. What, what was God really dealing with? And here's what I, I believe it is, is that when you look at this passage in Exodus 16, God is instructing, now don't miss this, God's instructing the Israelites that they are to gather manna, here it is, they're to go out, they, they were given strict instructions, they were to go out and gather that manna in proportion to their eating. That's how they were instructed by God, in proportion to their eating. Now, in, when you look at this passage in 2 Corinthians, what's his instructions to the church in Corinth? That they were instructed to give in proportion to their blessing. Now, how many of you believe that the manna was a blessing? I mean, after a while, they begin to complain about it. They're like, I mean, can't we get like a hamburger or something, instead of this manna all the time. But listen, I, I, as a kid growing up, I just told, I was talking to Brother Flynn yesterday. I remember as a kid growing up for three or four days a week, all we had to eat was beans. I mean, we, I became a bean if we had so much beans. But guess what? I never complained about it because it was either beans or nothing. But when it, when it comes to giving, okay, when it comes to giving, we are to give in proportion to our blessing. Well, who blesses us? God does. All gifts cometh down from above, right? So as God gives to us, what is his instruction? That we are to give, but there's to be an equality in our giving. It's to be in proportion to our blessing. Look at 1 Corinthians 16, 2. Upon the first day of the week, what day is that? Sunday. Sunday. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you. How many of you think that's all inclusive? Every last one of us. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as, look at the words, God hath prospered him. See, God blesses us, but here's the best part. He blesses us. To be a blessing. God gives to us, and how dare we keep it to ourselves and not give by grace 
to those that have need or needs greater than our own. That's what those in Macedonia did. Look, it wasn't, about, it wasn't about the money. It wasn't about materialism to them. God had done such a work in their heart that even in their poverty, they said, we want to be a part of this. See, a, somebody said a lack of giving is often an indicator of a lack of gratitude. I hope you're thankful tonight for what God has given to you. Because listen, if the only thing you had was Jesus, that would be more than enough. Seriously. To know Christ as your Savior. See, we need to be freely giving to the Lord. And as we freely give to Him, what does it do? It renews our gratitude to Him. I hope this week, that you take the time to stop maybe before you cut up Tom and start to enjoy that turkey, that you thank God for his blessings, for all that God has done. And for some of us, it might, it might do us well to sit down and begin to list out all the things that God has blessed us with. But remember, it's out of those blessings See, many times, it's, that's the problem with America. She's been so blessed that she's forgotten the Lord. You know, and a lot of times, and I'll be honest with you, I don't like to see it, but when there's a downturn in our economy, people start turning back to God. It, it's a cycle that undoubtedly we haven't learned the lesson. And so I see this, this matter here of giving and I see an open-hearted and an open hand between those that were in Macedonia. And that's what Paul was challenging those in Corinth. And I believe that's what God's challenging us, that the essence of Christianity, you know what it is? It's giving. It's giving. And it all began with Christ when he gave himself for us. Let's bow our heads tonight with our heads bowed. Lord, thank you for this, this day that you've given to us. But I thank you for the Christian life. I thank you for giving your son. Lord, you've been so good to us. You've blessed us in so many ways. And Lord, we think about this matter of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Giving thanks. One of the men said the other day that he was going to, when people said happy thanksgiving, he was going to ask them, what are they thankful for? And Lord, certainly the first thing that comes to my mind is, I'm thankful for your son, thankful for Jesus. And Lord, may we be focused on him. I think if we are focused on the Lord, that our hearts will be right in this matter of giving. And again, I want to thank you for such a wonderful church that has a heart to give. Now, Lord, I pray that you bless this week. Lord, give us a great week. But Lord, may we keep everything in perspective. May we focus on what Thanksgiving is really all about. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.